Hey friends, this is Reverend McKinley Sims from UU Restoration in beautiful Philadelphia. We've taken a backseat from creating different kinds of podcasts thanks to the COVID crisis. But what we have been doing is I've been creating content on our public Facebook page, facebook.com slash UU Restoration. We've been doing an everyday theology series, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. The videos usually come out live. I wanted to share the audio here on the podcast stream to get back in the habit of making podcasts and to get wider reach on the videos that we're doing. So the audio that you're about to hear is from our series, Tuesday Theology, Everyday Theology, Theology 101. I call it a bunch of different things, but you'll get the picture after you hear the first episode. Thanks for sticking with us. Stay safe out there. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Theology 101, Everyday Theology, Tuesdays Theology, Theology on Tuesdays. My name is Reverend McKinley Sims. I serve as the minister at UU Restoration in Mount Airy, Philadelphia. We've been doing these videos on our public Facebook page every Tuesday, putting them up <coughs> Excuse me, at 3 o'clock to give folks a way to think theologically about these times. When we are socially distancing, we are confined to our computer screens. That does not mean that what some people call church ends, what communal religious life ends, that congregational life ends, that theological life ends. That you can be doing theology and thinking theologically about the everyday world even if you're not inside the four walls of a house of worship. So we've done videos on what is theology, on a theology of spring, on a theology of uncertainty, and we've been talking about how theology does not have to simply mean something from the Jewish or Christian or Muslim traditions. It does not have to be theistic to be theological, even though the words are related. That whatever brings up the deepest meaning in your life, whatever raises the deepest questions. These are theological themes. So today, in spite of that, we are going to talk about something from the Jewish and Christian and Muslim traditions. Something that does focus from a theistic perspective, but does not have to be the kind of theist or God or deistic notion of an old white man in the sky with a big beard who is moving chess pieces around on a board. We can think a little bit more deeply about what scriptures like the book of Genesis teach us in these days, even for those of us who identify as humanist or atheist or religious humanist or secular Jew, all of these labels that are non-theist, you can still do theology even if that's how you identify. So if you happen to have a Torah or a Bible near you, you can open it up to the very first page of the Hebrew Scriptures, what some people call the Old Testament, what I call the Hebrew Scriptures, to the book of Genesis. I'm going to share my screen and show you what mine looks like. This is my software called Accordance, and this is the first book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, a verse that most people know even if they don't go to church. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, 
and there was light. So a lot of us have heard these words, maybe slightly different translations. This is the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. It's the one that I used in seminary. It's one I'm quite fond of. So the first line in the NRSV is, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. So this is telling a story. So I want us to think theologically about this story. Most people of faith will agree this is not a science textbook. This is not a history book. This is a story, a hymn, a metaphor, an allegory about our world today, about the creation of the whole universe. So on my screen, you can see that we have the English on one side in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And then we have the Hebrew that reads from right to left, Bereshith bara Elohim et va'atarets. That's why I love this software, is because you can look at both. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. I'm going to stop sharing and bring you back. That's pretty wild, right? No, when you stop to think about it, in the beginning, we think about what primordial earth must have looked like. The earth was formless and void. And darkness covered everything. There was some kind of water, a great chaotic sea that covered everything. And the ancient Hebrews and the ancient peoples had all these creation stories about great floods, great waters that covered the earth, and creation stories are often about land, life coming up out of the waters. So you think about indigenous, Native American, Aboriginal stories, Turtle Island, things like that. Primordial stories of life coming out of the water. So what do we know from our genetic history, from biological history? Is that we think life did start off in the water, these primordial soups, and that eventually animals did find their way onto land and evolved to get rid of their fins and their gills to be land-dwelling creatures. So I'm not saying that the book of Genesis is an accurate depiction of scientific history or big history, but I think the ancients were on to something. I think the ancient people knew about the creative power and life-giving attributes of water. I think they were on to something about the nature of life possibly coming from that water, that you need water to survive here on this planet. And I think they were onto a bigger story. So this is what I want us to do to think theologically about this story. Not to think of it as, well, I can't believe in that because it's not true. We're not saying that it's totally true, but there may be some truth in it, some theological truth. So go with me on this. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. So you think of like this is a movie. It's like the perfect storm. This huge sea, big crashing waves, just chaos everywhere. Raw, destructive power. Typhoons, hurricanes, tsunamis, nature at its worst. Right? All this chaos and this danger and out of it comes order, according to the story. 
right? God separates the water from the land and gives light and darkness and then the animals and then people, right? That life is created out of this darkness and out of this chaos. I wonder if the ancient people were on to something about life, about the deepest meaning in life, that when things feel most challenging, most chaotic, most uncertain, like when there's a global pandemic and global depression on the way, right, when everything seems to not make sense, when you feel like you don't have your feet firmly under you, when it feels like the storms of life are raging, as the old hymn says, when it feels like chaos is everywhere and uncertainty is everywhere, is it possible that out of that chaos comes not just death, illness, destruction, depression, all these terrible things, but might it be possible that also out of that comes new life, new light, new order, new certainty? That out of both the destruction and the destructive power of the water, there's also this life-giving creative power. We need the water to survive. I wonder if the ancients were trying to tell us something about how the world works. That it's not always smooth seas. Life is not always easy and pleasant. Sometimes bad stuff happens. Sometimes you have pandemics. And maybe out of that comes something new, comes new life, comes new ideas, comes new beauty, new art. All right, so the common trope I've seen going around social media is that after the Black Death, they had the Renaissance. And that is true, and that's great. A lot of people also died during the Black Death, and that sucks. But that's kind of the balance, right? In the long stream of life, in the long stream of history, of life begetting more life, what is life pointing towards is what we talked about a few weeks ago. What's the telos, the direction? What are we pointing towards? What is coming out of this? Some of my friends just recently got on TikTok. If you don't know what TikTok is, I invite you to look it up. She said, the kids on TikTok are so smart and funny and genius. And she wasn't just talking about the dancing videos. Right, she was talking about the creativity and the comedy coming on these social media apps. At this time when people are supposed to stay home as much as possible, at this time when essential workers are out there risking their lives for those of us who can, too, stay home. Then amidst these great crashings of pandemic and violence and recession and an unstable person in the White House, comes this new stuff, this new level of creativity, this new light in the darkness. That's thinking theologically. What is the meaning that we make out of these times? What's the narrative that we're telling ourselves? So it makes me wonder about the people who wrote this story, Genesis, if they experienced something similar, if they experienced a time when it felt like the earth was formless and void, like there was nothing solid under their feet. And out of that uncertainty came this incredibly beautiful hymn about the creation of the world. Of a God seeing the world and calling it good. 
And now it doesn't suck. I mean, it, it feels like it sucks, right? Feels like everything might be awful right now. And that tree is beautiful. The world is beautiful. People are beautiful. Right? There is beauty to be found. There is beauty to be shared. It goes together, right? As a way of thinking theologically about Genesis that I was never taught growing up in traditional mainline Christian churches. So that's the first point, that there's this creative goodness along with the destructive power that I think the ancients were telling a story about. I think we can resonate with when it feels like the earth is formless and void right now for us. That maybe there is some new life, new light, new creativity springing forth out of these formless and void waters. The last piece, and I'm going to do a little Hebrew for you. I'm going to share my screen again. Back to Genesis. The very first words in the Torah and the Christian Bible, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, you can see here, it's one word. It's a preposition and a word. Roots from right to left, and it's called Barashith. Barashith. Ba means in, and with that dot means the. Rashith means beginning, we say. We don't really know what it means. It's kind of a unique word, Rashith. But it's like the first, in the beginning, in the, the, the very first thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here's the interesting thing about Hebrew, though. This little preposition, ba, the bet, with a dot in the middle, it doesn't have to mean in, in English. It could mean with. With the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Doesn't sound so much like a history book, does it? Sounds more like a poem that way. With the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. With the Rashith, this word that we don't have a great translation for. So thinking theologically, what is Rashith? What is it for you? With the beginning, with the first stuff, with the most important stuff, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a different question. What do you think is the most basic, instrumental, primordial stuff that created all of this? What is the glue that binds all of this together? If you're a Star Wars fan, you might say it's the Force, or Medichlorians. If you're a math whiz, you might say it's math that binds us all together, that makes sense of all of this. It's protons, neutrons, atoms, molecules, it's science. Maybe it's spirit. Maybe it's love with a capital L. Whatever you think is the most important quality about life, whatever you think is the most fundamental building block of this universe, either physically, spiritually, emotionally, that's Rashith. And with the Rashith, 
and the whole universe was created, including me and including you. So we have to include ourselves in this theological talk, right? And if the whole universe is built of the same stuff, including of what I'm built of, this story tells us that the most powerful force in the universe, God, calls it good. So what does that say about me? And that even if I feel like I'm getting fat in quarantine, even if I feel like I'm not learning enough new skills or not doing enough, the story reminds people that, hey, you're okay. You're good. You're good. When the world is crashing around you, even if you feel like everything is out of control, it's okay. You're okay. You're good. Because you're made with Rashith. The universe is made with Rashith. There's something that binds us all together that the ancient people knew fundamentally to be good. Even when things around them didn't always seem so good. I take a lot of heart in that. I invite you to take a lot of heart in that too. And to ask yourself, what is most important to me? What's the fundamental building block of my universe? What do I value the most? What leads me on, makes me feel important, tells me, reminds me that I'm good, that I'm fine. I'm doing the best I can. And the world is not perfect. But even from this darkness, there might be new light, new creation, new joy that springs forth. And I invite you to find it in these times when the earth feels formless and void. Tohu vavohu. When it feels like everything is crashing around, I invite you to find the small things that are made of your rashith. They remind you of the fundamental goodness of you and of the universe. To find joy, to find light, to find peace and comfort. To keep going the next day, to get up and to try and make the world a better place. That's thinking theologically. Regardless of what you believe about God or Jesus or Christianity or Judaism or any of that. What does it mean to be alive in these times? What is your rashith? If you can find it, let us know. Because that's the most important question and the most important answer we can give. What is our rashith? What is most important to us? What fuels us, drives us, leads us on? Helps us to be better people, to love more. Peace and grace be with you, my friends. Now and forever. Amen.